Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mana! Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Calder. Your beloved patrol is doomed. Hello and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the world's greatest and longest running Doom Patrol related podcast where we talk long and lovingly every episode about our favourite superhero team, the mighty Doom Patrol. Hi everyone, I'm Paul, you can find me on Twitter at reading underscore Hicks, sort of for now, I don't know. Um, and you can also find our Senior Show Twitter account at um, WFD Pod. Hello, Wilfred, are you still alive? Hello, humans. Is that all I do? <laughs> Pretty much. But you can also tell people that they can find us at WaitingForDoom.com and they can reach us at WaitingForDoom at gmail.com. They can check out the Waiting For Doom Facebook page, which apparently has 1.3 thousand followers now. I, I'm I, not one of them. I, yeah, I know you, you. You're not on there. Um, but hey, if you're following us on Facebook, maybe actually listen to some episodes. That'd be cool and handy. Uh, you can also find all our episodes on iTunes, uh, Stitcher Radio, and on Podme.com. And you can also check us out on Buy Me A Coffee. Buy Us A Coffee. Yes, and it's JL May. Now, if you don't know what JL May is, why are you listening to the last part of JL May without knowing what it is? Really? Come on. Um, in in May, people talk about the Justice League, and those people are podcasters, and we are podcasters. This is a podcast we're doing. You are listening to a podcast, um, and we're talking about the Justice League. And the form of this, it is manifested, as I was talking about, the Brave and the Bold series from 2007, and we're, we're talking about it. And this is the last part, so we're talking about issues 34 and 35, the final issues of that Brave and the Bold run, the final part of JL May for 2023. Well done. Give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You've made it this far to the very end. And we thought to celebrate, we'd have, um, we, we did a poll, we searched for the most average podcast we could find, and we found <laughs> Ryan Daly. Ryan Daly. Wow. This is, and he, he's here with us live. Hi, Ryan. Wait, am I supposed to be reading the Wilfred part? <laughs> no. <laughs> See what I mean. Hello, humans. Hello, hello, Paul. Hello, Mike. <laughs> so basic. Thank you for having me and all of my averageness back. This is a, this is a, this is an experience. <laughs> Not only did we save, you know, the the best to last for both, you know, Brave and the Bold and JLMA, but also our co-host Ryan Daly. Yeah. He's not awesome. How dare you, Paul? How dare... Wow. <laughs> Did you say he's not awesome, and do you mean he's not average? Yes, I'm very... T- <laughs> oh Sorry, it's very early. I haven't finished my coffee yet. But no, I, it's it's great to have you back on the show with us, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been here before. I don't remember. Anyway, um, so this part of the show, we talk about what we've been up to. Um, I don't know. Do we do a special JLMA version of that? What have you been doing in May, guys? Ryan, let's start with you. What do you what, what's been fun? What are you waiting for? How about that? Um, I, well, the I pretty much missed the month of April due to a sinus infection and some oh. other illnesses that kind of knocked me on my butt. So I was sick for like five, six weeks. Um, so the month of May has just been about 
breathing <laughs> clearly <laughs> um, and and like waiting for the next breath kind of to come to and, and being able to get up and walk around and, and do stuff. And so that's been, yeah, you know, for, for us on the Northern hemisphere, you know, summer is, summer is arriving and it's, it's a good time. So fighting off some allergies and trying to get in good spirits for the summer. Wow. It's exciting. Um, it, at this point in the script, you meant to tell people interesting stuff, Ryan, but okay. <laughs> Look, it's interesting that he's still um, alive. Okay. Come on. Um, I, I discovered the joy of the Lego Star Wars game, video game on Ooh, Nintendo Switch. Nice. That's, that's the only thing. That is the best best product with a Star Wars name on it in the last 10 years, I can assure you. Wow. wow. Okay. That's actually my retirement plan. That's I'm going to play that when I retire. It's a, it's a glorious adventure. It's a glorious experience. Like the open-worldness yeah. of it and like the replayability, it's delightful. Yeah, my son's like, do you want to play The Last of Us? And I go, no, that looks stressful. I just want to relax. Yeah. And Mike, what have, what have you been doing? I've I've been moving house, Paul. M- moving house. Oh, I'm, I'm more yep. removalist than man now. Um, <laughs> Kept that quiet. <laughs> did I? Did I really? Did I not complain enough online? Um, yes. So we are in a new place. Um, we're still just, you know, unpacking boxes and learning just how much stuff we actually had crammed into our old smaller place because now we are in a nice big two-story house and goodness me we have a lot of stuff so um, yeah that that's taken up pretty much all my time so oh i did read a comic i did actually read a comic spirit world number one oh yeah as part of the um uh, uh asian america pacific islander month um, and the the We Are Legends launch. Read that on DC Infinite app. So if you ever want incentive to downsize your comic collection, dear listener, move house. <laughs> and oh boy, you'll discover that you really need to cull. <laughs> um, so yes, I've I've make, already made some hard choices about stuff that um, if it's on that app, I do not need it in physical copy anymore for the for for certain things uh, for. Um, more important parts of the collection. They'll be staying, but yeah, um, there's a lot that's going to get sold off in the near future. So yay, mm. yay. How about you, Paul? What have you been up to? Uh, yeah, uh, well, let me see. I've, I've also been helping my daughter move. Um, it's a six-monthly move in Sydney, so that's oh. it's great that it's come around. Yes, my daughter has. Uh, she moves every time she every time she can. So yeah. <laughs> Yes, I'm helping her move again. But um, I also have been culling. Um, but once you're over the age of 50, it's called death prep, Mike. Um, so, well, yeah, I'm I've, not there yet. <laughs> yeah. So I have been getting rid of lots of stuff. I've reduced my comic collection by a quarter, I think, now. So wow. Have, yeah. But I'm taking this slow and steady approach where I actually make a bit of money back rather than the, uh, taking it to the op shop and dropping it. So. Mm. So if you, if you sell things gradually, bit by bit, uh, you can get rid of it. And the best thing to do is, like, someone buys something and you go, well, this comic that I have that I don't want is vaguely related to that. So you're getting this one as well. So Right. <laughs> yes. And uh, you do that with the things that are hard to sell. That's my tip. Okay. Hot tip. Hot tip. Um, mine. Yes, mine. Paul. What's what's the ticking? That ticking is your favourite bit. It's the doom clock. All right. Well, I'm going to go. Bye. (laughs) 
Okay, so looking upon the face of the mighty Doom Clock, it has just been on four weeks since we had a new Doom Patrol book on the shelves, that being issue two of Unstoppable Doom Patrol, which we discussed in our previous episode. Issue three is due out this coming week on May 23rd of 2023, and it has the Patrol facing off against the Green Lanterns. And I'm still hoping that Guy gets punched in the face by Robot Man. Um, So looking forward to that one. But now, it's uh, the... Favorite guessing game of Paul's. It's the This Week in Doom Patrol History guessing game. And because we have a guest joining us, um, I'm going to let you teamwork this one. And I'm going to give you the full eight questions because I can't find my eight sided die. No, it's ten. Ten sided die. <laughs> I still can't get that right. I'm going to give you the ten full questions, Paul. And Ryan, you, you can assist Paul if he asks for help. What question do you want to ask first, Ryan? Uh, animal, vegetable, mineral. <laughs> uh, Higher. <laughs> animal, vegetable, mineral. <laughs> yes. Oh um, I, I guess I'll have to say um, uh, it's it's paper. So what's that make it vegetable? But then there's are there minerals in the ink? Look, let's just say Animal Vegetable Mineral Man does not appear in this issue. All right. Now, Ryan, what you want to do is try and establish either one of the creators or you want to establish um, what volume, because, um, you know, there's there's certain things that you know. Mike is a slippery person. He changes the answers as you – like, he will pull out a different issue halfway through when he realises we're on the case. So, so um, and so that's your agenda. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I tend to give him yes and no. Uh, and questions so he can you fucking liar <laughs> and uh, if you listen to our show for the first time we do swear on the show and I'm sorry yeah. For... Yeah. greetings from Australia yeah. <laughs> um, so you know if you wanted to know like there's what seven volumes of Doom Patrol Ryan so you could say you know is it an odd number you could ask a question like that so come on Ryan you got this is it volume two, issue 13? It is not volume two, issue 13. I'm taking that well, as your... Oh, I'm tapped out. <laughs> All right, Paul, you're leading the you're charge for this. Higher. Is it higher than volume two, issue 13? It is higher than volume two, issue 13. Okay. I'm taking that as your, your two questions it, now. You're on the question of the third. Th- volume three, issue 14. It is not volume three, <laughs> 13, higher. Is no, wait, me? question the fourth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm is so it, tired. Is it volume four, issue 15? Yes and no. Oh, volume four. Okay, We're, it's the burn issue. Question, uh, burn run. question the fifth. I'm talking to Ryan, mate. Shut oh, up. Oh, um, wow. Right, Ryan. It's um, the Burn Run. The Burn Run has 18 issues in it, so um, we know that it's now Volume 4. Um, I don't know if Mike was cheating, and he's not saying it's higher than Issue uh, 15. So, anyway. So, uh, all right, let's assume it's less than 15. Mike, say nothing if I'm on the right track here. Good. Okay, yep. So, it's less than 15. Um so we've got what five questions left. Um, so Ryan, you can do that. You can do this. I believe in you. 
even though you... Is it a anyway. prime number? Oh, Jesus. Now I have to do math questions. Um, hang on. Uh, <laughs> that is not keyboard typing you can hear. No, it is not a prime number. Question six. Okay. All right, Ryan, you're on your own because you've answered, asked a question I don't understand, so off you go. Uh, is it an even number? It is an even number. Question seven, Paul. No, I, I don't want to see how Ryan plays this out. You know, <laughs> he, Should I die at any point, he will be the natural successor to me. Well, so let's wait until to... you die. You're a team, come on. Is it a two-digit number? It is a two-digit number. Ooh. Question eight. That means it's got two fingers, doesn't it? Would you, Paul, what was the first... Uh, Mike, this isn't one of the questions. Paul, what was the first number from this volume that you guessed? A volume four. Did you say volume four issue? Yeah. 15, Did you say 15? I said 15. So it's got to be 10, 12, or 14? Yes. How many, how many guesses do we have left? You have three guesses left. Oh, there's no way we're going to do it. Oh, uh, no, I can't. Yeah. You could, you could ask the middle one and say, is it higher than, I guess, or lower? And that, you get a joke in as well as an answer, so that's a, a winner for me. Ryan, Ryan, come on. Were you here, I would be massaging your shoulders and you would be looking really uncomfortable. I'm feeling really uncomfortable just hearing that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you're so tight. Oh. I'm just wondering how you know, how trustworthy is Mike when it comes to these. Like, wow. He's a man of low morals. Oh, my God. No scruples. Holy. Thanks a bunch, All right. guys. Based on based on the advice from my my coach and advisor, <laughs> is it higher or lower than issue twelve? Neither. <laughs> it is indeed volume is four. It left or right of <laughs> issue twelve? It is dead center. It is volume four, issue twelve. Well done, Ryan Daly. You've done it. You've smashed that. You've done better than Paul has in a long time in your, you know, in one appearance. Well done, Ryan Daly. You've just shown What happens up. in that particular issue? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> God, I'm really sorry. Uh, going on sale for $2.50 American on April 25th of 2005 with the cover date of July of that year was Doom Patrol issue 12 of volume 4. Uh, which came to us from John Byrne, Doug Hazelwood, Jerry Fletcher, Alex Blayout, and Mike Carlin. The issue was titled How to Kill a Ghost, and unsurprisingly, John Byrne recaps a lot of stuff that happened in the previous issue. The shaman Tumbala monologues the origins and backstory of the chief, which provides just enough time for the rest of the patrol to turn up to save the day, but of course they don't. Someone else takes care of the bad guy, and it's not... It's not good. It's not good. The highlight of this issue is that it includes a pull-out poster for a film. That movie being The Longest Yard, starring Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, the rapper Nelly, and Burt Reynolds. Anyone remember that? I feel less good about winning this round. (laughs) (laughs) See, I think you should be questioning the morals of Paul, who, you know, set you up for a potential trap like this. You know, but anyway... 
So, yes, we discussed this comic book way back in episode 126 from July of 2018, appropriately titled Comic Book Science, emphasis on the Psy. And you can find that in the Doom dossier for volume 4 over at waitingfordoom.com. And that is it for the Doom Clock this week. Questioning my morals about the Doom Clock quiz. Good Lord. Don't take me seriously. Hmm. When um, Admiral Akbar goes camping, what does he take with him? I don't know. It's a top. Oh my god! Wow. Do you use the word top in America, Brian? Yes, but never as the punchline to a dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> And now it's the part of the show where we doomsplain something, and we had the foresight. Uh, this is actually, uh, I, I know people have not listened to this episode, or many of them have, and the fact that uh, when this episode first came out, it was six and a half years ago, so people have aged and forgotten. And, you know, you've listened to other podcasts in the last six and a half years, or if you've binged our stuff, you've probably listened to a lot of other stuff. I don't uh, I'm, I make no excuses for you. You can manage your own life but basically we recorded this episode well this segment of this episode was recorded six and a half years ago when we first covered this comic and you know what it was perfect i I couldn't have done it better so i thought let's repackage that let's you know we'll do a you know we'll have a little bit of harp music and we'll talk about that time remember when we talked about this episode of this issue of the comic and stuff and mm, yes yes, that was good stuff um go away cat go away no um sorry there's a cat Oh, it's doing the, I want to sit on your lap, and then it can't sit on my lap. It's going, I'm going to sit on your keyboard. So I've had to tilt the monitor down a bit so it to prevent the cat from sitting on the keyboard. None of which is necessary or... No, no, this is gold. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, we uh, in JLMA, we've talked about lots and lots and lots of comics. So I've done two episodes already on Dial F, and I just want to stress this, Dial F Flanger. Not flanger, not flanger. Yes, I heard someone on another show call it, it flanger. Dialect for flanger at one point. No, oh, what? <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh, Paul's going to love that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, clearly these people have never listened to my show, so thank you. But yeah, dialect for, for flanger. It's Australian. It sounds like banger. Yeah. It's like Jesus was born in a manger, you know? So you, you can you can get the hang of those words. Right. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, so, yeah, we did this earlier. It's very good. Ryan did a synopsis and Mike did a synopsis, and they they bloody nailed it. I was, you know, super yeah. impressed. So I can't improve on this. You know, there's no need to redo this. Let's let's uh, take the win and just replay this bit. So, uh, yeah, it's good. It's Enjoy it. It's, it's six and a half years. You can feel that people are less jaded in this. So there, there's more <laughs> youthful excitement. You know, a lot of bad things happened after this in the world, and, uh, you know, you you can hear that youthful optimism about the future still still there. So, you know, enjoy, everybody. Um, here we are talking about issue 34 and 35 of Brave and the Bold, volume two, I think. Yes, volume two. You asshole dog. Sorry. Um, oh, yeah, I know. I should He's mention. He's dead and, in the final cut. Yeah, you asshole dog. Oh, I'm dog. leaving it all in. Yeah. 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 It's, it's all staying. 
and you can actually listen to the preceding chapter on uh, the Right On Network. I, I think they covered the previous ones. So that's Right with a W, uh, not Right with a pen with a W. That also has a W, and it's yeah. Right, but it's W R I G H T, as in the Wright brothers. There we go. Uh, and they're not the guys who are dating. You know, I'm talking about the different Wright. Anyway, not Mister Mister Wright. So, anyway. Is that clear, everyone? Is everyone yeah, understand? it's it's crystal I'm, clear. I'm Thanks. Yep, you're on it. Thanks. Yep. Any questions, Ryan? No. No. <laughs> Come on, you got this wrong. You just need to ask ten questions. And oh God! Shut up. Today on the show, we're looking at some issues in a segment we call Doom Splaining, where we explain things about the Doom Patrol. Um, but we're looking at some issues of Brave and the Bold, issue 34 and 35. Now, this is one of the later runs of Brave and the Bold. I think it's volume two. I'm not big on details, but that'll do. Um, but yeah, this was a series. I think it was originally started by Mark Wade and George Perez. And um, uh, it's one where creators get to scratch their team-up itch. So um, the Brave and the Bold traditionally, I think, was a Batman team-up comic. And in this iteration, it was just a team-up comic where um, two characters or teams or, you know, concepts would team up in the DC universe. So, mm -hmm. you know, the early issues had things like um, the Legion of Superheroes and the Challenges of the Unknown and Destiny and Supergirl and Lobo and oh, Greenland yeah. and Batman and Blue Beetle. And it was a pretty cool series. Mm -hmm. Um and at some point, the creative team changed, went through a couple of changes, and J. Michael Straczynski, the man behind Babylon 5 and Ruining Superman, he came on. And so he took over the comic. And uh, despite the reputation that uh, J. Michael Straczynski has for ruining comics, I thought his run was pretty good. Pretty good. So Mike will be taking us through Brave and the Bold number 34, which uh, came out in July 2010. But it's actually the actual date, according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, was May 19th, 2010, my daughter's birthday. And the cover price was $2.99, uh, edited by Joe Cavalieri, both issues. Um, and it was written by J. Michael Straczynski, and artist was Jesus Sayers, and lettered by Rob Lee, and the colorist was Thomas S. Chu. And the cover was by Jesus Sayers as well. And the second issue, 35, which uh, Ryan is going to take us through kindly, uh, it was cover dated August 2010. And it actually came out June 23rd, 2010, which is uh, about a month and a bit after my daughter's birthday. Uh, two a week and a day after mine. But, you know, oh, okay. It's fine. I was going to say, I'm not going to take you through the story kindly. It's actually, my synopsis <laughs> is just like riddled with offensive language. Wow. Just, wow. Thanks for the warning. <laughs> anyway, for number 34, which is entitled Out of Time, Mike, take it away. Out of time, part one of two. Ooh, here we go. Nighttime in a futuristic city. A sleeping woman is suddenly awoken by an aircraft of some sort crashing outside her building. Alarms sound and she rushes outside to investigate. She's joined by a shirtless man with dark hair and the two of them find a man crawling from the wreckage. Wink, wink, a Doom Patrol fan. Sorry. Um, <laughs> a man with reddish hair and a blue and white costume with lightning bolts across his chest. It's only when the woman calls out to the crash survivor, Garth, that we can assume, theorise and do a quick internet search to confirm that these are indeed the founding members of the super team of the 30th century, the Legion of Superheroes. So we have Imra Ardeen, aka Satin Girl, Rock Crin, aka Cosmic Boy and Garth Rams, aka Lightning Lad. 
yeah, I had to search who they actually were <laughs> when I first opened it up because there was no like intro or anything. Thanks, J. Michael. Anyway, uh, as Imra and Rock help Garth to his feet, he explains that he was returning from a patrol run around Saturn when his ship's instruments detected a massive energy surge with a minimum output of 100 tera electron volts. Uh, note that that's real science too, kids, not just comic book science. That's 10 to the power of 12 electron volts times 100. You're welcome. Um, Garth soon discovered that the energy was coming from a primordial black hole half the size of Earth's moon but with enough power to destroy any planet in its path and even worse, it's on a collision course for Earth So just as Garth tells the others that his calculations have the black hole arriving in three to four weeks which should give them more than enough time to devise a solution Rock suddenly detects a massive flux in the Earth's magnetic field. And sure enough, the black hole is in the skies above them. <laughs> the terrified trio run back into their headquarters, donning their costumes. And as the world starts crumbling around them, they realise there's nothing that they can do right now. So they have to leave for another time in their time bubble spacecraft thing. And as they race towards it, it vanishes, only to appear at the other end of the hangar. What the heck? Uh, but Rock sets the controls to have them jump ahead 24 hours, moving away from where the Earth should be at that moment. And suddenly the time bubble is floating in space above the Earth as it's torn apart and consumed by the black hole. Great. Uh, the Legionnaires deduce that because they know Earth's future does exist, due to them having previously travelled forward in time, then something must have changed the time stream. And the only solution is to travel back in time and locate someone who can control ridiculous amounts of energy so that the black hole can be destroyed. And so we cut to 20th century Earth, specifically the headquarters of the Doom Patrol, where Niles Calder, the chief, is putting robot man Cliff Steele and Elastigirl Rita Farr through some rigorous training exercises. Uh, Larry Trainer, aka Negative Man, he enters the room and he and Niles discuss a containment field the Chief has devised and activated which should prevent Larry from going completely dormant when the negative being separates from his body. But that's quickly ignored because the training and chit-chat is inter interrupted by the sudden appearance of the time bubble. Imra says to the patrol, We're sorry to intrude, but we're in desperate need of your help. If you don't come with us, the Earth of the future is dead. So apparently seven minutes and 15 seconds later, the Legionnaires have explained the whole situation to the patrol. Chief tells Larry that he'll have to carry the burden on this mission. And Larry responds that he's okay with that, and, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Not realising it's a rhetorical question, Lightning Lad replies, well, your essence could be pulled apart by the black hole, and so thoroughly eradicated that not even a single atom would survive. <laughs> Great. Uh, despite this sobering and pants-staining thought, both teams enter the time bubble, which again appears to have moved itself from one end of the room to the other, and they launch into the time stream. However... The time bubble begins to malfunction, and the Legionnaires open a floor panel and descend into the engine room. To save time, just imagine it's like a TARDIS, okay gang? Bigger on the inside, etc, etc. Uh, soon enough, Lightning Lad discovers a contaminant in the flow control systems, and it's a ball of pink and white fluff. Despite the questions from his teammates, Cosmic Boy swears it's not his fluff, even though it's the same colours as his costume. Right. <laughs> With the malfunction resolved, the time bubble continues through the time stream. Uh, Rita asks Imra, why don't we appear next to the black hole before Garth saw it? To which Imra goes to great lengths to explain the theoretical time paradoxes doing so would create, and Rita soon regrets asking. As Imra returns to the control console to finish the calculations for their trip, she reminds Cliff that she can read minds. 
at which point Cliff stops looking at her butt, apologises and becomes thoroughly embarrassed. Yes, gang, <laughs> Robot Man was copping a perv at Satin Girl's butt. <laughs> Uh, the time bubble arrives at Saturn, just near the black hole, and in preparation for exiting the bubble, the two teams begin to put on breather units, with the exception of Rita, because they don't have an expanding breather unit to take her powers into effect. And they don't have one for Cliff either, even though he voices his concern about a human brain in a robot body kind of still needing oxygen. Anyway, during this, we learn of Lightning Lad's plan. To destroy the black hole, they need it to emit more energy than it consumes. So they need to draw out particles from within it, of which one set will be captured and absorbed while the other particles are nev- negatively charged so they repel away from the black hole and escape it. <sighs> According to the laws of thermodynamics, if something puts out more energy than it absorbs, it will break down, which is what they'll hope will happen because it's only a theory and it may not even work. Oh, great. So Cosmic Boy creates a magnetic bubble around Lightning Lad, Robot Man and Larry and launches them into the black hole and they strike. Positive energy from Lightning Lad's lightning negative energy from the negative being launched from Larry's body and Cliff's metallic body being used as a grounding force to attract the newly charged particles. Super science team, go! And the plan seems to be working until Rita notices the time bubbles consoles detecting a time surge. And just as weird psychedelic colours appear and Cliff begins to take some serious damage, both mentally and physically, the black hole starts dissipating. The day is saved! And so eventually the time bubble returns to the patrol HQ. Imra comments... In the history we have of your group, you've saved the world dozens of times. Shouldn't you be called the Salvation Patrol instead of Doom Patrol? Cliff responds with, not nearly badass enough. (laughs) (laughs) The team say their farewells and the time bubble vanishes again. Chief enters the room and as Rita tries to explain what they just went through, Niles remarked that this has probably been the worst day of his life. And we're left with the questions, why was it the worst day of Chief's life? And where did the pink fluff come from? Gents, your thoughts on this issue? There's an undercurrent of kink in this comic. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they find this pink fluffy white ball and they immediately assume it's part of Cosmic Boy's outfit. <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. They blame him automatically, yes. Yeah. And, he, um, he's got the... He's got the pink color on his like classic costume, mm. but the costume he got after this one that was redesigned, I, I can't remember. I don't think Mike Grell designed it, but it might have been Mike Grell's design. It looked like something out of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Wow. It, like, he had a lot of exposed flesh. <laughs> uh, and, and the part that wasn't exposed was just like tight black like around his ribs. And like, yeah, if they knew that much about him, it's like, oh, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Assume the pink fluff came from him. <laughs> I really like this story. I think it's a you know a great little story. Um, one of the things I like about it is it's just a straight ahead adventure between these two teams. You know, the, there's doom in the in the future, and they get the Doom Patrol to get involved, which is mm. fitting. Fitting, yes. yeah. And, and from um, what I understand, some actual proper science in there as well, not just comic book science, which is a nice change. Yeah, it's well researched, made up science. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I the characterization strike me uh, a little bit like the Doom Patrol as a team in the '60s. They're always they're a bit like the Three Stooges. They're sort of slapping each other all the time and you know yelling at each other a lot. Um, and in this, they're sort of toned down a bit, yeah, just because that would distract. Um, like 
Cliff is often written very Ben Grimmish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, you know, loud and, you know, opinionated and everything like this. And he's quite subdued in this. But um, that makes it work very well for that gag where he's just, you know, you've got the same panel repeated a few times where um, <laughs> Satin Girl is bending over the console and uh, Cliff's just standing there with his arms crossed behind her. <laughs> And then in the in this third panel, she says, "You do realise I can read minds." It's, you know, it's just such a great joke, <laughs> and it's from an unexpected character, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think, in a way, the patrol were were kind of given the supporting roles in this, and it was more about uh, the, the Legionnaires' um, adventure in a way. But you're right; some of the characterizations are a little bit more subdued than we're used to, but. Yeah, I, I still think it was actually a, a decent, you know, fun story. Yeah, but I didn't know, when I was reading it, I was going, well, he hasn't really introduced these Legionnaires, and I wondered Thank if that you. would throw anyone in it. It threw you, Mike, straight it away. It threw me, because I'll admit, I, I've, I've read hardly any of the Legion stuff, ever. Um, and, but, you know, I've got, kind of got a passing knowledge of them, so I, had to, I literally had to do an internet search to make sure I had my facts straight before I started <laughs> doing my notes. And, you know, I, I, I just put that out there that some sort of introduction would have been handy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one of those super nerds from the Legion of Super Bloggers could probably tell us when this takes place based on their costumes and hairstyles and things like that. <laughs> well, I actually thought about that because this, these three, Lightning Lad, Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl, are the three founding members. Mm. Uh, yes. They were the original group. So, and... And the way Straczynski approaches them, I mean, I, I think he, I, I don't know if he has a better handle on the Doom Patrol characters, but he at least gives them a little bit more personality just from their dialogue. You know, I think Robot Man and Negative Man come off as you really kind of get them. And they have a sort of sardonic wit at times, and I think that plays to Straczynski's talents. But the Legion characters are all pretty flat, um, which is probably true of how they were written in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. But the, um, the one thing that I did notice is that at this point in their history, if it's really just the three of them, they should be in their mid to late teens. And that's not the way Jesus Saez draws them. No. I actually think this is further down the uh, Legion timeline because there are other characters around. They're just not featured in this story. So it just focuses on the three founders. But um, Mm -hmm. as we see in the issue that you're about to cover, Ryan, there are Mm -hmm. other Legionnaires or wannabe Legionnaires about. So (laughs) they're just not featured in this at this point. So I I think they are a bit older when they were, you know, the roster had expanded. But uh, yeah. Uh, once again, it's a job for the Legion of Super Bloggers to tell us where this is. Paging Dr. Ange. There you go. Because <laughs> he's a doctor. So. Right. Okay. <laughs> so that, jo- that joke works, yeah. Yeah, well done. It gets better when it's explained, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah all the time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of explanations, um, I really like how Saturn Girl has to explain to Rita why they have to go back to the time oh. after Lightning Lad saw the black hole, not before, because otherwise they wouldn't know about the danger that it presents. So that that whole sort of train of causality and consequences, I yep. think, is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that was a really good scene, and I I did feel sorry for Rita <laughs> after <laughs> she asked it. <laughs> yeah, 
But there's, I mean, there's the weird little things in the comic where that, like, the time bubble is moved across the room a couple of times without explanation. There's the the fluffy uh, ball thing that they find in the engine room. Um, I, I like the idea that there's an engine room below the floor. That's just a bit of uh, Joe Straczynski thinking about uh, the science of uh, a time bubble. And mm. side, so it's got a. So, so that wasn't like a regular thing in the Legion. I've never seen that before. No, okay. I think it's a little bit of extrapolation based on, um, I don't know, just exploring the concept a bit further than right. they did in the in the in the comic. Well, maybe. Yeah. But um, yeah. I personally find the Legion of Superheroes enormously attractive just as a concept. Um, and it's one of those things that just often comes over me in waves that I'm just dying to read the Legion suddenly. Um, and I can't explain it. <laughs> it's just it's just one of those things that, you know, I get Legion fever every now and again. Okay. I mean, they're all young and sexy and optimistic and they have great big crazy adventures and they're all dating each other. And, I thought you were going to say great big something else. But... <laughs> oh, Mike. I could read mine too, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, but that's the Legion. It's you know, it's like crazy nine hundred two one zero in space. It's <laughs> maybe that's why it's never appealed to me. I, I, I'm kind of the complete opposite of you. I, I can't recall ever seeing anything that made me want to rush out and read anything of the Legion. That they were just like, okay, teen superheroes in space in the future. Okay, it was like, yeah, I, 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 I similar to you. I can't explain why they've never appealed to me. It's just. You know, one of those things, I guess. Oh, I guess oh, maybe it's just you're a Legion person or you're not. Maybe. So you crossed over recently, didn't you, Ryan? I I used to have no interest in them at all, and I forced myself to read some for the sake of the Secret Origins podcast. And even though like, I read the Mark Wade run that he did in the early 2000s, and I loved that, but I don't think it made me a Legion lover. It wasn't until I actually I checked out the the Great Darkness saga by Keith Giffen and Paul Levitz that it sort of it clicked for me and I got what was special about these characters. And I will say that they don't really act or look like teenagers by the time they get to that point in their history. They're mm-hmm. functionally grown ups. Right. Uh, so it's it's pretty much just a big damn super team. Uh, with lots of different powers and lots of different worlds, and and the hardest thing to keep track of is their names. Like not, their their code names are fine. That's we if you've read superhero comics for any length of time, you can figure out who Ultra Boy is and what mm-hmm. his deal is. But the Rock Crins, the Garth Rands, is the Imras. Like what? Oh, who? Who? I, I still don't know half of their real names. Like, I, th- yeah, I think that the- that may have actually been a deterrent to me. Is that every time yeah. I've seen. Um, stuff about the Legion itself. That the, the cast just seems to be so gigantic. Yeah, that it, I, I've, I think it's just been like, whoa, too many people to keep track of there. So maybe that's yeah. what's turned me off it. And my favourite run was the five years later run where they didn't use any code names at all, and <laughs> uh, that was a series I read with the uh, Legion's who who's who's who open next to me. <laughs> <laughs> just to you know, because I was just starting to get familiar with everything at that point. Uh-huh. Yeah, but uh, it's it's one of those things that if you uh, if you endeavour to enjoy it, there are real rewards, and um, yeah, it's it's something special. And I really hope that someone revives it and gets it going in a viable way that uh, sort of captures some of the magic. Yeah. Anyway, enough about the Legion. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, let's talk about some better teams in the Legion. <laughs> so it does open the door for a waiting for the Legion podcast at oh, this God. point. <laughs> Spin off. <laughs> the Legion clock. <laughs> God, don't give me ideas, guys. <laughs> it's Computer, the sentient show Twitter account. Oh, jeez. <laughs> ah, sorry. Shall we move on to issue 35? Let's do it. Out of Time, part two of one. No, part two of two. (laughs) At the secret headquarters of the Legion of Substitute Heroes, Polar Boy, Night Girl, Fire Lad, Stone Boy, and Chlorophyll Kid watch the nightly news report on the Legion's team up with the Doom Patrol to stop the primordial black hole from destroying the Earth before it happens. Chlorophyll Kid speculates if the Legion stopped the threat before it happened, then there is no proof the threat ever really existed. In which case, what's to stop the Legion from making up the story just to get some good publicity? Night Girl says the Legion of Superheroes is far too honorable to do something like that. The Legion of Substitute Heroes, though? That's another matter. Fire Lad suggests they shore up some good publicity of their own by stopping the primordial black hole before the Legion does. Since the subs know how the Legion did it, they can travel back in time and steal the plan for themselves. The subs sneak into the Legion's headquarters and steal the time bubble. They take it forward in time one hour, so when they appear, there are two time bubbles. They leave the original one in its place and take the time duplicate. Assuming traveling through time will be easy, because, hey, why wouldn't it be? (laughs) The subs jump back in time to where the black hole first appeared on the edge of their solar system near Saturn. But, as they arrive, the black hole is affected by the quantum gate, causing it to jump forward along the same course the subs jump back. This explains why the black hole inexplicably moved faster than Lightning Lad expected last issue, and why, when the subs turn around, they witness the black hole utterly decimating the Earth, pulling every last chunk of rock into its maw. So, yeah, the subs screwed up and destroyed the Earth, but they still have a chance to save everything by traveling back in time the way the Legion did. Of course, it's all going to be fine. All going to be fine. Right. right. Back, in, back in the early 21st century, the Legion of Superheroes and the Doom Patrol set off in their own time bubble, which Saturn Girl notices seems to be in a different place than where they left it, to stop the black hole. No sooner does the chief watch one time bubble vanish than he sees a second bubble containing the subs arrive in its place. Fire Lad asks the chief if they can talk to the Doom Patrol. He can't understand why they arrived after the the Legion when he set the time bubble's coordinates to arrive half an hour before them. After recapping their story for the chief, Dr. Calder posits that the relative time stream is off by an hour because they took the first time bubble ahead one hour. Fire Lad insists that's an easy problem to correct and makes the su- and takes the subs back in the time bubble to recalibrate by jumping back again. Oh, this does not work out how we expected, <laughs> as the chief is subjected to a repeated loop of substitute time bubbles constantly reappearing in the lab, with Fire Lad asking to see the Doom Patrol. As the chief deals with that... The subs, we'll just call them the prime subs, are stuck in time with no sense of orientation. Night Girl takes over the controls and rides the time current to the 1970s and the nearest super team that can help them. As the time bubble crashes to a stop in some point in time, Stone Boy braces for the impact by turning into stone and staying that way. When the When the four remaining conscious substitute heroes look up, they see the team they've come to recruit. 
but it's not Robot Man and Negative Man and Elastigirl. Instead, they're facing Merry Man, Awkward Man, the White Feather, the Blimp, and Dumb Bunny. Better known as, better being a relative term, the Inferior Five. <laughs> Fire Lad explains to the Inferior Five the threat they face in the future. Well, he tries to explain it to them. Dumb Bunny is pretty dumb and doesn't grasp the mechanics of causality. And Fire Lad isn't much smarter because his explanation is terrible, which is why it takes two hours before Night Girl tells everyone to shut up and get in the bubble. While the two teams crowd onto the bubble, stepping over Stone Boy, Night Girl plots the coordinates to intercept the black hole so the subs and the five can use the Hawking Theorem before the Legion of Doom Patrol does. Only then does the White Feather ask what the Hawking Theorem is. None of the subs actually know the answer to, or how to simulate it. While the heroes argue and bump into each other and get handsy with Dumb Bunny, Night Girl decides to get the information straight from the theoretical horse's mouth. The time bubble suddenly appears in the classroom of Professor Stephen Hawking. Or it would if DC could afford to license his name and likeness. Instead, they arrive in the presence of the man who created the Hawking theorem, Professor Stephen Bawking. Night Girl asks Professor Bawking to explain the Hawking theorem, which he attempts to do over the next six hours. Finally, inexplicably, Dumb Bunny simplifies the principles of the theory by telling the others that they need to put the primordial black hole on a diet, forcing it to burn more energy than it absorbs. With this knowledge, the two sets of, oh, we'll call them heroes, jump back in the time bubble. Night Girl sets their course for the future while the others explore the fourth dimensional sub-basement where they can at least stretch out a little. That doesn't actually help, though, because Awkward Man trips and pushes Dumb Bunny into one of the flow control systems. The machine starts buzzing and sputtering. Polar Boy pulls her out, but Dumb Bunny lost her pink fluffy tail in the machine. She wants to go back in there, not just to retrieve her tail, but to re-experience the warm, vibratory sensation. <laughs> Night Girl tells them all to quit messing around and get back up top. Then she tells them the time bubble has stopped moving forward, that whatever Dumb Bunny has done has broken the time bubble. Merry Man points out that while they can't go forward anymore, they can go back in time to retrieve a functional time bubble, and they know where and when one will be. Back in the headquarters of the Doom Patrol, the Legion of Superheroes has just arrived, asking for help. The chief leads the Legion and the patrol into another room to hear the situation. Once they're gone, the substitute time bubble shows up on the other side of the training room. The subs and the five dash out of their broken time bubble and take the other one to, that the Legion of Superheroes just arrived in. A few minutes later, the Legion and the Doom Patrol come back to embark on their mission, and Saturn Girl arrive, observes that the time bubble isn't in the same place where they parked it. Blimp and Dumb Bunny worry that the Legion might get stuck in time when they take the faulty time bubble, but Stoneboy assures them that the Legion will figure it out, and figure it out they do when Lightning Lad finds Dumb Bunny's pink fluffy tail in the flow control system, a pink fluffy tail that he assumes belongs to Cosmic Boy. <laughs> the subs and five pilot their time bubble to intercept the black hole before it's near the Earth, but to their horror, the other time bubble with the Legion and the Doom Patrol arrives there too. The subs should have gotten there well ahead of the Legion, but earlier, Fire Lad recalibrated the bubble to offset them originally being one hour off, and that recalibrated time bubble is the one they swapped with the Legion. Oh, God. So now, the Legion of Superheroes and the Doom Patrol in arrive in time to apply the Hawking Theorem by flooding the black hole with positive and negative energy, and they will save the day and get all of the credit, and no one will know the Legion of Substitute Heroes had anything to do with it. 
Well, that's unacceptable to Firelad, who creates a temporal wave intending to shoot the Legion and the Doom Patrol closer to Earth. But the black hole is caught up in the wave and follows them, the heroes on their path. Yes, Firelad just sent the black hole to Earth for the second time. <laughs> but miraculously, as Dumbbunny notes, the black hole begins to collapse. Of course, none of them realize that the temporal wave actually accelerated the thermodynamic process in the black hole, causing it to collapse. So in truth, Firelad's reckless action did save the day. But none of them are smart enough to realize that. They think the Legion of Superheroes saved the future once again. Sure, the substitute heroes could take the time bubble back for another spin and try the stunt again, but they realize it's best not to press their luck. The Inferior Five ask to join the subs in the future, but none of the subs want to spend any more time with the Five, so they kick them out of the time bubble somewhere in the past. Not the 1970s, though, where they come from. Instead, the Inferior Five are dropped off in the then-current year 2010. With no friends and no family in this era, the Five wonder what will become of them. Will anyone give them a home or something to do? The five inferior heroes stare doe-eyed at the reader, hoping, you, hoping to guilt you into demanding further appearances of these forgotten heroes. Then they set off, wondering if Dan DiDio will give them a chance. That is the end of Brave and the Bold, issue 35. <laughs> wow. Well, I must say, it's a revelation to see uh, Jesus Sayers' comedy chops at work in this. It's... Um, JLI worthy. <laughs> I actually, I noted that going back over issue 34, the first one, I thought the art was stiff. And I, I really like the way Jesus, like his figure work, the way he designs characters. Mm-hmm. They're always like perfectly on model. It looks like something that you would design for an action figure line. It's yes. they're really, really good. But mm. I thought in the first story, it was just a lot of characters standing around talking and there wasn't that much of a sense of motion or energy to the story. I think with this chapter, and maybe it was because Straczynski's script lent itself better to that, there's much more comedy, there's much more physical activity, the characters are doing things. I think the art is a lot better in this chapter. It's mm-hmm. just, it's more fun to read. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's amazing how funny... And warped this issue is compared to the straight up superheroics of the preceding one. <laughs> Even the covers, you know, on the cover of thirty four, the the Legion and, and the Patrol standing there, you know, ready for action. And cover of thirty five, you're just looking at it, going, "Who the heck are these guys?" <laughs> Like, if I knew only a little bit about the Legion of Superheroes, I knew even less about the Inferior Five and the Legion of Substitute Heroes. I think the most I've seen of either of those is ads back in DC Comics when I was a kid for mm-hmm. whatever books they appeared in at the time, and that's, that's it. I, I know even less of them, but I wasn't that concerned about having to do a Google search on any of them because, you know, you kind of figured it out as you're going along, and it was a lot more fun. So I just wanted to keep reading straight into it, yeah. <laughs> I think this is the only story I've read with the Inferior Five. Okay. I, can't yeah, I, think think of, I can't think of another place where I've read them. Yeah, but um, it's so much fun. And I mean, <laughs> Night Girl ends up playing like um, Mother Hen to them all, <laughs> and it takes its toll on her as the comic goes on. The, and, that, um, that last panel where you know the the subs are just sort of you know glaring at the Inferior <laughs> Five right at the end, like. 
get off our time bubble. We don't care where we leave you. <laughs> and when the five are like making those, you know, those doe eyes at the reader, <laughs> you feel so bad for her. <laughs> I would love to know how Straczynski wrote these two issues mm. and whether he wrote them together, like plotted the whole thing with both parts, or if he wrote them consecutively, if he wrote issue 34, allowing for these weird little moments that don't make sense, figuring that, okay, the next time I write, I have to explain this. Um, I, I, I would just be kind of fascinated to find out if he, if he wrote this in, in sequence, in order. I would hope that he had plotted both issues out together. Otherwise, oh man, I don't know how else he could have done it. But you know, tip of my hat to him if he, he if he did do them in, in sequence, that could be because that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the characters, I mean, you got Night Girl who has a beehive. She's <laughs> got this sort of little bit of an Elvira thing going. Mm. And Chlorophyll Kid looks like a he's got a tree on his shirt, but actually looks like a piece of broccoli. <laughs> he does. <laughs> And Stone Boy's barriers to turn into a stone. So when things get rough, he just turns into a stone on the floor. <laughs> and again, it's a it's a weird sort of story that Straczynski does. The it's kind of funny. Like it it seems like he picks up these groups of characters just because they're from the future. Because if you looked at the the first story in chapter thirty four. Like, okay, Lightning Lad, Cosmic Boy, they use their powers at the end, and nominally Saturn Girl says she's keeping them in contact telepathically, but Mm -hmm. it's not like a standout, like, showcase of their powers in that issue. And this one, too, like, Chlorophyll never uses his power, Night Girl never uses her power, Polar Boy never uses, Fire Lad never, the only, the only one of the subs who uses his power is Stone Boy, who has the ridiculous gimmick of just turning into stone and then not waking up, so he's just, he's just a lump there for half the time. Mm. So it's, it's, like, it's more about how they're ineffectual and how they're not ready for prime time superhero status than like really a showcase of what they can do because what they can do isn't helpful 99% of the time. I'm still trying to figure out what dumb bunny's power is. (laughs) She's hot. Right. That's it. Right. Eye candy basically. Right. Good. Great. We sorted that out. There's some great little gags in this comic where she's uh, leaning on the blimp character and sort of her hands resting on his chest and he says you know that's not actually an air valve not that I mind (laughs) a little bit risque how she wanted to go back into the hot vibrating piece of machinery Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah overall this was a lot of fun if kind of wacky and kind of sciencey and over the top but yeah overall the two parts together I think they make a really good fun story yeah, and it's a damn shame this one has never been collected. Like, the hardcover and the trade that came out of this uh, run stop at the Doom Patrol issue just before it. Oh. It really ought to be reprinted, that one. Yeah. yeah. It's full of great stories, and that that uh, Batgirl story, is uh, yeah. that's probably one of the best stories that came out that year. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So... A fun issue, two fun issues, in fact. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. Go out and get them. But I think we might call it a day for Doom's playing at this point. Sounds good. (laughs) 
Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Slide up to the bar alongside Ryan Daly and a rotating cast of guest hosts as they celebrate the long-running, award-winning television series, one hilarious episode at a time. New episodes of Cheerscast drop every Thursday, part of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Well, well done to Ryan and I for excellent synopsises on that six and a half years ago. Good on us for having the foresight to do a kick-ass job. I thought my insights were particularly insightful. Yours were okay. Hmm. You had less pets back in those days. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and what do we do now, Mike? Uh, well, we ask our guest, Ryan, what's he got coming up on, on his podcasting plate, if anything, and, and, and any other recommendations or shout-outs he'd like to give? Um, now you can find me at the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Right now, the most regular show that I'm doing, which should resume uh, in the summer, probably in, in July, is Cheerscast, where I am going through uh, the entire TV series Cheers, one episode at a time. I am at almost exactly the halfway point for the whole series. I am Woo. six and a half. I am at the halfway part of season six out of 11 seasons. You're uh, living so on a prayer. Resume. Yeah, once I resume that, um, uh, that'll be fun. Also, uh, I've recently been doing a couple of episodes of my other love, Fire and Water Records, uh, which is about music of all sorts. Um, and hopefully I'll be getting more episodes of that out uh, in the meantime, or in the later in the summer as well. Awesome. Fantastic. And coming up next on our feed, um, in probably a week or so after this episode, will be Unstoppable Doom Patrol number three. Did we record that a few years ago too? No, we oh, okay. we we did not. No. Yeah. A few years ago, we still would have been waiting for a Gerard Way issue to come out. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach out via Wilfred at WFD Pod on the Twitters. You can email us at waitingfordoom at gmail dot com. You can check out the Waiting for Doom Facebook page. Uh, we should also do a shout out to the Caffeine Nation, um, or as as it says here in the script, the the people that have attained true caffeine enlightenment. Um, although I would suggest enlightenment. Oh, Mike, you asshole, you've done it again. <laughs> anyway, those that have achieved enlightenment, uh, AJ Wright, Tim Price, our friend Arbud, Kevin, and the Batpod, thank you for supporting us via buymeacoffee.com. And that is it for now. Ryan, thank you very much for joining us. Check out Ryan's stuff online. Uh, and as always, Stay weird, be good to each other, don't be a crumb bum, and we'll catch you again next time for more Waiting for Doom. Waiting for Doom! Stay doomed. I like that. Mm. Stay doomy. Doomy. Well done. <laughs> see, see. <laughs> see, we're on a high where Ryan makes a really cool contribution mm -hmm. and Paul, you just bring it crashing back down to earth with your smart. That's your sin, mate. Just smuttiness. <laughs> you, you don't hear me doing that. Mm.